are thrilled today to have Suzanne McCormick with us, who is the president and CEO of the YMCA USA. I think you said earlier that you've celebrated your first year anniversary recently in this role. I did two days ago. And so this week was my one year anniversary. And I can say it has been without question, the most rewarding and challenging year of my 30 year professional career in human services. It's been a fantastic year. Well, I want to say what a time to come in, right? And take over the helm of such a large, important an impactful organization and particularly an organization that deals with students and children in so many ways. I'd love to hear a little bit about what that experience has been like for you and what do you think are some of the key things that you've noticed and learned in the changing times we're living in? In my first week of last year, I said to our leaders across the country that I was going to approach this new role as a listener and a learner. What I saw across our movement was a movement that like so many of us, had worked incredibly hard through the pandemic, was tired, but also had this incredible amount of pride and passion for the work that they were able to accomplish. Because in so many cases, what we saw happen was that our YMCAs were not able to operate in the same mode that they had pre-pandemic because a lot of YMCA programming is facility-based and school-based, and we'll talk about that. And so when facilities shut down and schools shut down, some wise found themselves being asked to do other things in their communities, and they really stepped into that space. So for example, some wise became the providers of emergency childcare for frontline workers. Many, many, many hundreds of our wives became food distribution sites and continue to be. And so what our wives learned was that their mission extended beyond some of their traditional programming and they really lived into that space. And so now we're at a point of how do we come back to some of our core programming, but also continue to deliver in ways that wise hadn't. So I saw this mix of fatigue, but also just enormous resilience and passion and pride. And so, you know, like so many organizations, we're at a place where we want to focus on helping our YMCAs get back to a sustainable place, a place of vitality and thriving. And we want to think about sort of what's our bold vision for the future. It was just incredible. And I will say that people in the YMCA, I've never met a group Again, this was across the network with more passion for the mission of an organization than at the YMCA. It's amazing what the Y does in local communities that people are not really aware of. I mean, when you say they became the frontline, you know, childcare for emergency workers, they were doing food distribution and still are. I don't think a lot of people think of the Y like that. You know, a lot of people think of the Y as there's a gym and, you know, there's a pool and they do swimming lessons and do sort of those sorts of things in local communities. And so I really want to kind of step back and say, you know, what is the mission that you say people are so passionate about? And what is the, you know, a lot of us that are doing this kind of work, we always say the work and people always say to me, Stacey, what is that work? (laughs) Right. So, So if we can, I mean, I think we shorthanded a lot, people that are in these professions. We do. But I think it's important for people to understand that there's this massive organization that is structured and functioning and doing well and creating services and providing opportunities, you know, pre-COVID, during COVID, and now post-COVID. 
So help us with a little bit more detail on that. You're absolutely right in that a lot of people do think of the why as really focused on health and well-being. And that is a big part of what mm-hmm. of what we do because people see it in facilities. And, you know, sometimes there's a phrase, swim in gym. But the why is so much more than that. And in our mission, and, and we do, we sort of truncate our mission and say, think people understand it. You know, we say really what we're, everything we do is about strengthening communities, both at the individual level and more so now at the systemic level. And so much of our focus, it is on healthy living for all, but our primary focus is on youth and youth development and our social mission of helping communities be the best they can be. What a lot of people don't know is that the YMCA, we have, while you see facilities, there's so much of our programming that takes place outside of the walls of our Ys. Huge amount of the work that we do is in partnership with departments of education, school departments, other community partners. We are the largest provider of out-of-school time youth development activities in the country. We are also the largest nonprofit provider of child development programming or child care. And you might not see that when you walk into a Y if you're focused on going there for your health and well-being, because some of the programming, for example, child care might sort of be in another part of the building. I describe it as, you know, our mission is to look at the holistic needs of children and their families and figure out how we meet those needs or how we partner with others to meet those needs. And the fact that we do have so many facilities, we have the opportunity to invite partners into our work as well. But again, so much of what we do is out in community, in schools, in housing departments, housing complexes, I should say, in other nonprofit organizations. Again, I think the depth and the breadth of what you provide with this mission of strengthening communities is so critical right now because as we come into you know what I believe are transformative times particularly post covid and as people try to figure out what new models are going to look like we're hearing a lot and we're seeing a lot in the education space around the importance of local solutions mm-hmm. and local communities. So this idea of strengthening communities, you know, America has become such a rich, diverse landscape and that's the beauty of America. And so for communities to be able to come together and create solutions that work locally for them. I mean, I think about, I live in Atlanta, Georgia, right? Just in Atlanta and how many wise there are in Atlanta, Georgia and how many different communities there are in Atlanta that have different needs on any daily basis and really are the boots on the ground that can deliver solutions to people more quickly than sort of the larger political landscape. So I'm curious as to how you see that and you've seen that change a bit and there'd be more demand for just the local services that you guys can provide. Yes, local is where we all, I mean, we all live. How does your community show up for you matters and impacts your experience. And I I think the strength of the why is our ability to be in partnership with community, to be a provider, but also to be a connector for children and families. We can talk about some specific examples, but I think our strength is 
our ability to interact with children and families and you know, like do the work that we do, but also through partnerships and understanding, we have the ability to connect them to other parts of the community that can be supports for them. And I, I think that's the mindset that we saw really grow during the pandemic is none of us can do it alone. We got to piece things together. We've got a partner. And so that that spirit of coming together, I think is, that is a really positive, I think it's a positive element of the experience we had over the last two years that that we need to continue to build and make foundational. For me, it's very intuitive. I've always worked in human services and I've always worked in community-based organizations that were focused on that holistic, what's the ecosystem that we all need to be healthy in our community? And when I say healthy, I, I say that in a very, you know, very broad term, healthy in terms of mind, body, spirits, economics, social interaction. But I think that that lesson of how important partnership is one that we're going to continue. I mean, it's, it's just how we have to be. It's how we have to work. And that all happens at the local level. I mean, the resources can come from any national resources. Right. It only gets activated at a local level. Yeah. And I think that's the key is the activation, right? So let's talk about you for a minute and talk about your history and how you got to this role. And what is your driver? What is your motivator? What is your passion? I'd love to hear a little more about that. And I'm sure the audience would too. I tell the story. My father used to tease me. I found my passion or I found my sort of calling in a trash can. And what happened was in my last year at college, I was walking through the common room of my dorm and there was a flyer that had been dropped into the wastebasket and it caught my eye. It was just the color caught my eye. It was bright pink or orange or something. And I looked down at it and, you know, this is back in the days where the only way you learned about things were notices on the bulletin board. And so this flyer, I guess that somebody would take it down or whatever, but it was a flyer that was announcing an open house taking place on campus to come learn about the U.S. Peace Corps. And I saw it and I was intrigued by it. And long Long story short, I went to the open house and I left there thinking, this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to join the Peace Corps. I did not tell my parents that at the time because I was on a different track to go to law school. But I will say when I was in at, at college, I studied political science, but so much of, of what I studied was really around social justice. And so that was always sort of a fire inside. And then I did join the Peace Corps. I did go to the Peace Corps. I served in Thailand for about three years, taught English as a second language, did community development. And that experience was life-changing for me. Probably the most formative experience that I had. And I just fell in love with the idea of service. And then when I came back to the United States, there was a little bit of a draw to continue to do international development work. But when I came back to the United States, I ended up in New York City. And trying to come back into American culture after you've been out of it for three years is incredibly difficult. Like yeah. you, you don't look at your culture the same way after you've lived a much more simplistic life for three years. And I was so struck with all the need in our country, in the United States. And, and it was in coming back, I decided... I don't want to do the work overseas because there's so much work that needs to be done here. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, that's how I ended up in human services. And I've been here ever since I started with a program that helped immigrants and refugees get acclimated to life in the city. And then I spent a good 
chunk of time in the United Way movement, working in two different communities. I did five years with the American Red Cross. I did two years with Community Action. So it's just, there was never a question that this was my path. And, you know, what gets me out of bed every morning or it's this desire to help improve the lives of children and families across this country. There is still so much need and so much disparity and inequity and whatever I can do in my lifetime. I, I believe that's what I was put on earth to do. I love that. And I really, I relate to many, many pieces of that with the political background and the law and also, you know, wanting to do something with social justice and the long trajectory of staying focused on the issues of students and families or children and families. So I I feel like we have sort of like minds and hearts, which is always lovely to talk to someone who lives in that world. Tell me what you've seen. I mean, you've done this for a long time. You, you have an opportunity uh, because of the work that you've been in that you've stayed consistent with, right? This didn't happen 45 years ago, right? That you've seen us evolve through America, our country, evolve through various stages and transformations and cycles. You know, where do you think we are now as a country? And what do you think are the crucial questions If we really are looking at what is the next step, what is America going to do to really service the health and well-being of our children and their families, what do we see before us? I think the most important thing that we as Americans can do for kids and students and families right now is to focus on bridge building. I think we all know we've we've never felt more divided in this country or polarized and feels to me that we've lost our ability to focus on the things that matter to all of us that we wouldn't argue about. And that just the well-being of children, like if we just put the well-being of kids at the center and we let all the other stuff fall to the sides, you know, we would be having different conversations. And I think it's as if like the, the extreme views are get way more attention than the middle ground. And, and I, I just feel like if we can't, at least if we can't get to middle ground, we've got to, we got to build bridges in terms of how we talk to each other, how we appreciate the different perspectives we've got to put emphasis on that or otherwise we're going to continue to fight. Adults are fighting at the detriment of kids, I think, and and young people. And we need a movement of reconciliation, I would say, and stop demonizing either side. I've I've been looking at a lot of different models and been in conversations with some leaders in this space. And and actually, we at at the YMCA are looking at how we might bring some of those tools and models. We've already got great work happening in our whys around inclusion. For example, this week, it's called Welcoming Week, where we're working with Welcoming America to host events around the country to help build understanding around differences and welcoming everyone into conversations. And that can't be one-time events. Like we've got to build the skill first in individuals. And then I think in, in organizations to help facilitate the kinds of bridge building conversations we have to have if we're going to find ways to plan for the future of our kids together. That's what I spend a lot of time thinking about. Yeah. 
it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. But I think that what we're finding is that there are a lot of people on the ground who feel the way you just described. And then there are a lot of people doing things, you know, small is big, right? So So they're doing things daily, every day to move that kind of conversation forward. And yet, you know, it doesn't often get covered. We don't often hear about it which is what our organization is about, is how do we lift up those stories? How do we tell the stories of the people that are actually doing that kind of work and give that a platform and a voice across the country? Because I come out of media and those stories don't often get covered. If I'm sitting and listening right now and I'm an educator or I'm a parent, and I really just, I kind of thought of the why as the swim and gym, right? What can I do? What kind of programs am I looking for there? I mean, I know they're different in in different locations, but if you could give somebody sort of a map of how to access with their local why and put it back on their radar as a resource and support, if it's not something they've thought about, I'd love to hear that. I would have two recommendations. One, and we we can talk about them in, in sort of two buckets, perhaps. One is you know, within the walls of YMCAs, there is lots of great youth development, youth programming going on. And so that's as simple as a matter of going to your why and asking. Mm -hmm. It's not just about sports. Everything that we do is centered around character development and our values as an organization. And so it's much more than just keeping your kids busy. So there's activities and communities that look fun and are fun, but they're also built on evidence-based, you know, curriculum around social, emotional learning and development. And so your, your child is going to get a lot more. We also have amazing summer day camp programming, as I said before, and after school. So it's just a matter of if, if you're not familiar, go in and ask, like, what is there available for my child? In the same way, you may not know it, but the why could very much be very active in your child's life within their school setting as well. I've got some great examples. And if it's not, you know, for parents, I would ask parents to be advocates with with teachers and their school departments to explore partnerships with WISE because WISE can bring in programming and curriculum that is, you know, through partnership that helps extend the capacity of schools. And one of the areas that we're doing a lot of that work is around mental health right now, especially in in some certain states. In New York, for example, we've got some of our WISE are just deeply embedded with their school systems in mental health programming and supports for kids. I would invite parents to come at it from a place of inquiry and asking, like, ask, what what can the why do for me? Um, Mm -hmm. Because there is a lot there. Yeah, I think that it's critical that people understand the resources that are available to them. And sometimes we have no idea. For families that also think things like, well, what are the values of the why? You know, it's known as the Young Men's Christian Association for years and years and years. What happened to the YWCA? You know, where are we in all of that? What are the values of the Y? Just to clarify that. And when you say we incorporate those into all the things that we do, what does that mean? We have four plus one values. They're caring, honesty, respect, responsibility, and inclusion. 
we are for all like that's just sort of in our tagline we are a place we want everyone to feel like they belong we were founded on christian principles which are all about caring for one another and every day when we show up that's the most important value i would say is that we show up caring for everyone no matter difference where you come from what you look like what's your your political affiliation and then you know honesty respect responsibility those really speak to our development of character and and you will find those as well throughout all of our programming whether it's in childcare or in youth sports or in our camping programs which we, we haven't even talked about we want anyone who comes to the Y to be better because of it and can somebody just call up, you would just say, go directly in and talk to your administrator. How do they navigate? Google YMCA, wherever you are, and that should take you to your local Y. You'll be able to find a Y. What's the Y closest to you? That That's where I would start. The other, I'd, I'd also make a pitch for, I'm a big fan of 211. A lot of people don't know 211, which is the three number dial for information and referral. If you want to find out, you know, what kinds of Y programs are available for your kids, dial 211, lots of places you can text 211 and they'll be able to connect you as well and connect you to other resources. It's right. um, Yeah. What I love about you guys, because we did a uh, podcast with the head of 211 at the United Way. Oh, so that's they, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, so many people don't know that 211 exists, but I think that what the audience does need to hear is that with these national larger organizations that do have local people on the ground, that you guys are all working together. This is a very collaborative group of people. And so it's not, it's not competitive. It's not, we want you to come to the Y and not use somebody else's resource. It's about bringing the network of resources together to help and to support people that really don't know where to go get what they're looking for. I am a hundred percent proponent of partnership. Like you hear me say it over and over again. And I, and you know, we, when you ask me like, what have I seen over my career? There definitely, I mean, I remember early, earlier in my career, there was much more isolationism and territory guarding within the nonprofit sector, which has always felt very not intuitive. And now, I mean, just the whole I believe like the whole the whole philosophy in the nonprofit sector is many of us are working with the same families or here to serve the same kids and families. So let's figure out how to do it in the smartest, most effective way, because none of us have just one thing that we need help with or one area right. that we want to grow in. Mm -hmm. And when we can better coordinate, that's when we're going to get to real change for kids and families. What do you see on the landscape for you in the coming year? I mean, school just went back in session. And I, I mean, for you personally, as the leader at the helm of this great organization, but also for the organization itself, where do you want to go? What's your plans for expansion and growth and impact? Well, as, as I mentioned, you know, the, the reality is, is that we are still, we are still recovering from the pandemic. Not all people are back. Not all people want to go out and, and be in public. And yet that, that does change. So, so we have some more work to do just in terms of our recovery. Like many organizations, a big challenge for us right now is recruiting and hiring and retaining talented staff. Our programs only get delivered if we've got top-notch quality staff. And so in some cases, for example, in some of our YMCAs, they're not able to operate at capacity right now because 
they don't have enough quality staff. So they've got longer waiting lists for childcare or longer waiting lists for a child to get into some program because they simply can't hire the staff. So that's going to be a big priority of ours is really telling the story of why the why is a great place to work and how you yourself can learn and grow into a leader if you consider employment with the why. So that's, that's going to be a big focus of ours. We're still, I'd say this next year is, is in is in continue rebound mode, getting to like a really strong place of sustainability so that we can think about what is the next best thing. So that doesn't sound very exciting. It would be easy to, you know, it's fun to be aspirational. It's way more, I don't know, feeds my soul. But but I, I've also learned that right now, I really need to balance a vision of who we can be with the practicality of, you know, just making sure we're, we're sound right now. Having said that, I think the YMCA is in a category of one when it comes to the potential we have in communities to be a place of belonging for all, to be a place where partners can come together, where we can help communities that feel separated have conversations together to build those bridges that I was talking about earlier. So that's, that's my vision for the future is, is that I would say, Stacey, you know, right now, there are so many stories. It never fails when I travel. If I've got like a Y logo on or a lapel pen, someone will stop me and they'll say, oh, do you work for the Y? And they mm-hmm. tell me they're in, and I say yes, with great pride. Mm-hmm. And then they tell me their individual Y story, which is awesome. It's fantastic. It, and it's just such a continuum, but everybody like they, everybody loves the Y. What I want 20 years from now is In addition to so many people having individual stories, I want the story to be that when we look back on this time, you know, which does feel divided and polarized, that our country says the why helped us, the why was there to help my community be stronger and Mm -hmm. heal and come Mm -hmm. together. So it's not just individuals, but that, that we're seen as that bridger within a connector. Is the that, connector yeah, the that can, yeah. Con- and really that can convene the community. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is a little bit of an interesting question because I'm sitting here listening to you and we have a lot of educators that listen to this podcast, administrators of school systems, you know, different folks. And I'm interested in this fatigue factor that's going on across the country right now. It's really impacting educators. So many teachers have decided not to go back to the classroom, have decided to retire early or have decided to retire just because it's time and have stepped away, but really want to stay engaged. And since you guys are looking for great workers and people that are committed um, to this mission, and you said there's development, leadership growth, I'm assuming there's part-time work, there's full-time work. I mean, this is a good minute to talk to some of the audience about why they might look at it as a second career, an alternative to what they've already been doing. First, I want to say thank you, because in your question is a, an amazing suggestion that I, will, that I will say has not yet crossed my mind. And as we are, you know, we're trying to support our wives and thinking about how they do, where they can look, how they recruit. You have just named an audience that I'm not sure we are naturally thinking about. So thank you, Stacey. (laughs) I will say 
I think we've got something for everyone, truly, especially if they come from the education background. Yes, we have part-time work. Yes, we have full-time work. We have opportunities for folks who want to work directly with kids from the youngest to teenagers in a variety of settings all, I would say, fun settings. Mm -hmm. In in our Y network, we also have over 220 some camps, many of them year round. And so I think when I, you know, I was listening to you, all the skills that that teachers and educators have are the skills that we want. We want caring adults who love kids and want to help them grow. So there's sort of frontline in classrooms, we're looking for, for directors of programs throughout our network. And we do have one of, one of our other priorities that we're focusing on in the next couple of years is building what I call a future-focused leadership development system for our team. We have, the Y has a really strong history of having just an incredible leadership development function that comes out of our office. And if you look at the tenure in YMCAs, there are so many people who started when they were a teenager and Mm -hmm. grew up and are now leaders. And so there are so many avenues to come in and grow through our training and development. So I, there's so many possibilities. It's less stressful. Well, (laughs) and and we've got great benefits too. I will say that. Well, there you go, because I think there are people who really do want to do the work they believe that is important to them and is mission driven for them. And I don't think we, you know, I think some people have it's been difficult to make the transition back into the classroom after the pandemic, depending on everybody's got their own set of experiences and their own set of circumstances. Right. But there's a way possibly in a local why to continue to do the work of an educator, but just in a different way. Right. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I was, I was visiting our YMCA in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina earlier this summer. And our leader there started as a high school teacher and did six or seven years in public education and then moved into the Y and has spent the rest of his career and has just risen through the ranks to become, I would say, one of our most impactful leaders across the United States. And you're providing support in schools too. There's this network or this, you know, connection yeah. that is occurring. Well, in this particular example, we have, for example, in just the last couple of weeks, I've been in a couple of conversations with, with some of our leaders who are in bigger metro areas. In Miami, um, Broward County in Florida, for example, that YMCA is providing programming in over 125 schools, has just an incredible partnership with Miami-Dade right. School District. Same thing in New York, but this example, Raleigh-Durham, and this is, there are many other places in the country, is their why is in the same building with shared space with a middle school. They're part of a purpose-built community. And so their campus is a beautiful, like sort of traditional why with, you know, a swimming pool, but it's co-located with a school. And so there's wow. just all yeah. this mm-hmm. amazing programming that's, mm-hmm. that's happening. Yeah. Well, that's great. I think that for listeners that are out there, you know, please, if, how could they get in touch? I mean, they can contact us and say, you know, we'd be interested in talking to someone or what, what would you recommend? I would reach out to a local why, because I I can tell you, if you have a listener who can find a why who is not hiring, I want to know about it because (laughs) I don't think it exists. I think every single why right now is looking for talented staff who are mission driven, you know, the number one value, as I said, we have is caring. Yeah, we, okay. we are looking for talent to hire. Okay, well, great. That's great to hear. So we'll, 
end on that note, I know we're almost out of time. Anything else you would like people to know or think about, you know, now that they've learned new information about what the why is, what the why hopes to be, you know, the transitions that you guys are going through as well. Anything you want to add? We've talked about a lot, which I'm just really grateful for the opportunity is, you know, I think I would end with, if you think you know your why, look again, because there's a lot more there that you may not be seen. And not only from the perspective of how it might help you or your kids, but it is a place for you to get connected and to belong, to volunteer, to to, to potentially work. We want more people to be involved in the why. And so dig a little deeper because we're more than you think we are. Well, and I love that. I love ending on that note because I think as we come into the times that we're in, as we're adjusting to not trying to go back to normal, but to trying to create a new normal for how we move together, um, come together, unite in community, people are looking for belonging. And they're looking for new ways to reach out and connect. And the Y really offers that opportunity because they are local, they are facility-based, they're on the ground. Just go, right? Just yeah, go, yeah. <laughs> right? Go see what's available, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. So thank you, Suzanne. We appreciate it. We appreciate you being here. And there will be podcast notes on the um, cast. So please look for those. And many of the things that we talked about today, we'll find links and places you can access. So we appreciate your time and look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks for having me, Stacey. I appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you. 